Warning, today's podcast will contain sex, unicorns, and other weird things. Don't forget to count between when you see the lightning and hear the thunder. Enjoy! Podcastle, episode number 95, from March 16th, 2010. Fulgurite, by Vilar Kaftan. Stay tuned after today's story for a very special escape artist announcement. Welcome to Podcastle. I'm M.K. Hobson, and today's story is Fulgurite, by Vilar Kaftan. I heard Vi read this at Wiscon last year. And it's just as hot, shocking, and electrifying as the title implies. If you're not familiar with what a fulgurite is, let me explain. It's a unique geological object, a hollow glass tube that is formed when lightning strikes quartz-rich sand or soil. They're often referred to as petrified lightning, which is both more poetic and more correct than the scientific name, which derives from the Latin fulgur, which means thunderbolt. And as we all know, thunder and lightning are two very different things. Fulgurites can be quite long. The longest one found in Florida was almost 17 feet. It's very difficult to find one intact, however, because the sand they form in is usually full of impurities and the glass cools too rapidly to anneal properly, so they're extremely brittle. Author Weiler Kaftan writes speculative fiction of all genres, including science fiction, fantasy, horror, and slipstream. Her stories have appeared in magazines such as Realms of Fantasy, Strange Horizons, and Clark's World. She's a 2004 graduate of Clarion West and lives with her husband Shannon in Northern California. Her hobbies include modern-day temple dancing and preparing for a major earthquake. You can find out more at her website, www.vilarkaftan.net. The story is read by Cunning Minx, who in her live journal bio describes herself as a kinky, poly, booby sexual podcasting geek. She does a weekly podcast at Polyweekly, www.polyweekly.com, and can also be found on Twitter. Enjoy the story! Fulgurite by Viler Kaftan. I'll be struck by lightning on July 13th. I know this because I saw a unicorn in the desert sky earlier tonight. Its cockroach body and feathered wings cast shadows on the ground. Lightning forked from its horn, like decisions in my life. Decision to move to Phoenix. Fork. Decision to finish my degree. Fork. Decision to date Maddock. Fork. All the lives I rejected flash across the sky and are gone, except the one that will strike me. In two days, on a Thursday... Thursday the 13th. I saw the unicorn only briefly before it vanished. Maddock doubts me as we sit on the floor and eat Chinese takeout. You say it had wings? Dove wings, gray and feathered, and a cockroach body. Maddock sets down his chopsticks. What? Blood red, the size of a bus. So it's a cockroach dove thing. With hooves, on hairy roach legs. What makes you think it's a unicorn? It has a horn, I say, pushing my plate aside. That makes it a unicorn. I go to the window and stare at the sky. It smells like a storm. Clouds stack on top of each other in thick blankets. Lightning flashes in the west. It fires an electrical impulse into my body and I push the window open. I'm on the fourth floor. Hello, I call out the window, leaning forward into the hundred degree heat. 
The blast of hot air buoys me up like boiling water, burning me, but supporting me, and I'm sure I can fly away if I just let go. Maddock hauls me back in the window. Are you crazy? Get back in here. You'll fall and kill yourself. It's like Maddock to make sure everyone and everything is safe. I lean against the wall. I savor the storm front of heat that rolls over my naked arms and legs, invading the thin fabric of my sundress. Kiss me, I say. Kiss me as if you'd seen it too, as if it were real. I don't tell him that it is real, that I will be struck by lightning in two days. I love Maddock, but he can't always keep me safe. Maddock obeys. He pushes his open mouth against mine. Our tongues fight wetly, writhing in the caves of our throats. His fingers twist my hair into knots, and my nails rut into his back. He pulls away suddenly and fumbles at my dress. He tugs the strap off my shoulder with one hand, as the other dives to my bare breast beneath. Heat rises where he touches me. I roll onto the floor and pull him with me. Maddock lands on top of me, smelling of arousal. His hips meet mine, chaperoned by two layers of fabric. If we were not clothed, we would be fucking. The hardness inside his gym shorts wants entrance. I push him off me, and he slides to the floor like a discarded silk dress. He wipes his mouth and looks at me. I wish you'd let me. It'll hurt. I love you. I'll be careful, he says gently, touching my arm. I stand and adjust the straps of my dress. I'm a virgin. It's going to hurt no matter what. I've heard it feels like being murdered. I promise I'll be careful. My first was a virgin, too. She said it didn't hurt so much. How would she know? What could she compare it to? He sighs. I respect your choice. I'm serious. I love you more than anyone I've ever met, and I will wait as long as you like. I want it to be special. I'll do it when I'm ready, and I know when that will be. I say. When's that? I stare out the window. Two days. He stands behind me and strokes my shoulders. The room is hot like a unicorn's breath. In two days, I will be struck by lightning, Fork. I will give Maddock this gift because I love him, Fork. I will let him inside me. I take his hand and squeeze it. The heat reminds me that this is my choice. July 12. I'm sitting in my summer geology seminar at Arizona State University, and it's hot in here. I'm sticking to my seat and thinking about unicorns. I could capture the unicorn. If I sat in the woods and played a lute, the unicorn would rest its head on my lap. There aren't any woods near Phoenix, so a mountain would have to do. I know which one to use. I'm not thinking about lightning, though I should be. I'm also not thinking about the index cards that I shuffle in front of me, or the boy up front who's giving his presentation. Lightning, he says, and I look up at him. He's rocking back and forth on his feet like a bad slow dance in middle school. He speaks quickly. Lightning is another unusual method through which rock can be transformed. When lightning strikes certain types of rock or sand, electricity transforms the strike area into a narrow tube of glass. This substance is called fulgurite. I look out the window again. The sky has darkened in the last five minutes. The gray clouds in the west have turned to charcoal, an angry grade school scribble of lines on faded paper. I don't see the unicorn, but I know it's waiting behind the storm. 
It drinks lightning and rolls in thunder, its cockroach body wallowing in energy like filth. I will be struck by lightning and transformed into glass, exposed and breakable. I remember my recurring dream where my body is transparent except for the street map of veins. My red heart pulses in the center of my chest, vulnerable and naked for everyone to see. I'm nailed to a mountain by my hands and feet. Then invisible forces stretch my body and yank me into the sky. I'm still nailed to the ground, but I stretch like clear rubber, unable to fly and unable to rest. I've had this dream since I was 13. I wonder if the dream is about Fulgurite. Maybe instead of bending, I will break like glass. Now it's my turn to speak. I stand and walk to the front of the classroom. If I'm to be transformed to Fulgurite, then I must be stone at this moment. I am bloodstone, with dark red veins through a muddy greenish rock. My veins pulse through my core. As I face the class, I'm not afraid, but the words of an old drama coach are still habit. The audience is naked before me. I don't know what I speak about. I read the index cards mechanically, but keep glancing at the naked, restless bodies before me. Nipple eyes watch me, alert male ones and softer, thoughtful female ones. There's a pierced punk girl in the front row, and she watches me with a slitted metal gaze on small, bright breasts. All the belly buttons are small O's of surprise, startled to be looking at each other, seeing the other faces for the first time. Pink faces, brown, peach, amber, the chins obscured behind desks, the full expressions masked. Class ends as I'm speaking. The faces rise in unison, revealing their true mouths hidden in dark, curly beards. The women are mysterious in their closed mouth shyness, but the men wag their tongues everywhere. I grab my book bag before I'm crushed in a mass of bodies, a bloodstone wrapped in skin, a rock buried in flesh. The halls smell of sweat and sex as the body faces press forward. The eyes of the women and the tongues of the men jiggle as they walk. Here I see a female face touching a male face, eyes pressed together briefly, then separated. A male face sticks out his tongue at a pretty female as he passes. Then he quickly turns away from her. I'm bumped on the sides by leering faces, grinning, mocking the veins in my body, mocking my heart. I wish they would stop touching me, but there are too many people everywhere. I'm a rocky island in a sea of flesh. I run out the front door of the building and throw my books to the ground. I'm not afraid, I scream at the sky. Lightning flashes. The unicorn heard me and doesn't believe me. July 13. Maddock and I are waking up A Mountain. It's the one with the large white A for Arizona on the side where teenagers go to make out. It's just before sunset and still over a hundred degrees as we hike up the trail. The storm's humidity makes sweat pool beneath my breasts. Lightning crackles overhead. Shouldn't we go up here another night? asked Maddock. No, I want this to be special. I'm trying to remember that this is my choice. It feels more like fate. I am destined for pain, with this body I was born into where I must allow Maddock inside me. He glances at the sky. I've got condoms, just so you know. I don't respond. The unicorn is circling the mountain, its thick roach body and feathered wings silhouetted on the clouds. It watches us walk up the hill, tilting its horn at me like a rapier. The wind picks up. It's 
not raining, not yet. Arizona storms are like storms nowhere else. Here we have desert monsoons, strong enough to knock down fences or flood a street in two minutes. My skirt billows away from my body and into Maddox's legs, tangling him as he walks. I'm wearing only the thin white dress and sandals. Maddox wears his favorite red shirt and shorts and cologne that isn't his usual. We pass couples walking down the trail, holding hands. Maddox's hand snakes into my own. I look ahead to the radio tower on the mountaintop, blinking red and erect against the sunset. The top of my dress is sticky and clings to my breasts like plastic wrap. I pull the fabric away from my skin, wondering when I change back into flesh. It must have happened when Maddox touched me. I wonder if I've caught fleshiness from him, like leprosy. The last few feet of the mountain are steep. I hike up them carefully with Maddox behind me. I know he can see up my skirt. I struggle to the top and look up at the radio tower. A strong wind blows, knocking me back a step and scattering a family of owls from the tower. Lightning forks in the sky. None of it towards me, not yet. The unicorn circles overhead. It lands on the radio tower. Sparks fly from the tangled metal where the creature touches down. Everything is a line, like iron filings to a magnet. I turn to face Maddox. Here, I say. This is where I want us to be. The wind blows his hair as he holds me in his arms. You're so wild, he says, his fingers seeking my hair. I can't understand it. There's something so incredible about you. Kiss me, I say. Before he can respond, I stand on tiptoe and plant my mouth on his. Maddox kisses me fiercely. I dig my fingers into his clothes. The buttons pop off his shirt as I tear it away. I let the shirt fly, and the wind carries it partway down the mountain before it catches on a rock. Maddox doesn't seem to notice. He's unbuttoning my dress clumsily, his tongue still locked with mine. I tear off my dress, too. The flimsy fabric gives before the buttons do, and the dress shreds under my fingers. I hear a shriek, and I turn my head. Behind me, the unicorn has thrown its head back and screamed. I spin around to face it, dragging Maddox with me. I'm naked except for my sandals. Maddox's body shields me as I scream back. I'm ready. I want you. The unicorn snorts. Lightning crackles off its horn. Maddox moans and bites my neck lightly. I claw into his back and pull him to the ground on top of me. Electricity rages through me. Maddox fumbles at his shorts. I spread my arms and legs like a starfish. The uniform swoops down and nails me to the ground with its hooves, stomping on my hands and feet. Every touch is a shock. Every sense is alive. Today, I will be struck by lightning. I arch my back. I wonder what happens if a unicorn lays its head in a maiden's lap, but misses her lap, and instead it... But there's no time to figure that out. I stretch towards the sky, my face in the clouds, my hands and feet on the ground, my limbs like mile-long parachute strings. The unicorn circles me, its wings flapping a storm wind in my eyes. Lightning crackles around me, forking with choices. The unicorn lands on a storm cloud near my feet. I lift my head to see it, smelling ozone in the air. The unicorn scrapes its hooves against the cloud and lowers its horn. Up close, I can see the horn is the color of blood, grooved with tiny sparks flickering against it. I stare at the beast, my arms and legs straining with agony, unable to fly, unable to rest. I know what you want, I whisper. I want it too. This is my choice. The unicorn plunges toward me like a charging bull. Lightning strikes me.
My whole body bursts with energy. I howl as power flows through me, through my infinitely long arms and legs, through my hands and feet into the rock below me. The radio tower explodes in shards of metal. I look downwards. The mountain is shaking. A snowflake of glass appears beneath me and spreads like frost across a window. The red stone of the mountain blurs to glass, revealing the heart of the giant rock. The transparent mountain shatters. Shards of glass fly like bullets away from the sound. I fall towards the explosion and close my eyes. I'm flying and resting both at once. When I open my eyes, Madoc is stroking my cheek. Oh, God, he whispers. Oh, God. It's raining on us. He kisses me and moves wet hair out of my eyes. Did I bleed? I whisper. Not much. He kisses me. Did it hurt? Not much. Not like I'd feared. I look at his face, his naked body next to mine. He looks so vulnerable. I glance down between his legs, where his penis rests limply on his scrotum. Such a delicate thing, so strange, but no longer foreign to me. I touch it gently, and he shivers. I love you so much, he says. Thank you. Thank you. I kiss him gently on the lips. The unicorn is gone. And welcome back. Thanks for letting all of us here at Podcastle share another story with you. I hope it was as good for all of you as it was for us. Wow. Making jokes about sex and cockroach-like unicorns. Still awkward, even in my 30s. So, let's do some feedback for Podcastle 87, Cat Rambo's narrative of a beast's life about enslaved magical creatures instead. This episode received a very mixed response from our listeners. A lot of people compared it to another of Ms. Rambo's stories featured here at Podcastle. I'll gnaw your bones, the manticore said, suggesting the narrative of a beast's life covered much of the same ground, but wasn't as provocative. Peter Tupper said, This story was a pastiche of the works of Harriet Beecher Stowe, Frederick Douglass, Harriet Jacobs, and other slave narratives and abolitionist works with a thin layer of fantasy. It's putting roots in a pantomime centaur suit. Whereas Epilonius said, This story was written from a time and perspective that was so horrible that society seemed to abolish it wherever possible. And in that mission it succeeds. In the meantime, I like the writing. It went along sadly but nobly. That's all the feedback we're going to do for this week. But remember how at the beginning I said I had a huge announcement for Escape Artists and Podcastle? A long, long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away... Before the very first flight of PodCastle, Escape Pod held its very first flash fiction contest. Anyone could participate just by signing up on our forums. And our listeners and forumites voted for their favorites to be published at Escape Pod, and also here at PodCastle. I'm happy to tell you, we've decided to do another one. And I'm talking about all the Escape Artist podcasts. That's right, this time out there will be contests for science fiction, horror, and fantasy, we at PodCastle have the honor to be kicking the whole thing off. So starting April 1st, and no, this is no April Fool's Day joke, for one month, PodCastle will be open to flash fiction contest submissions. Although, get your submissions in early. If we get flooded, it's possible we'll close the door sooner than that. Here are the basic rules. Stories must be 500 words or less. 
you can enter up to two stories per contest. That means you can send two stories to the Podcastle contest, two to Pseudopod, and two to Escape Pod. Visit our forums for the dates of the other contests. Stories should be pasted into the emails. No attachments, please. And you can submit them to eaflash at gmail.com. That email address is good for all three contests. Our illustrious moderators will then strip the names and addresses and post them on a locked section of the forum. Yes, this does mean to read and vote on the stories. You'll have to sign up at our wonderful forums at forum.escapeartist.net. That's the easiest way for us to handle this. And it's the best way for us to make sure that the story remains unpublished. Unless, of course, you win. We at Podcast will be buying the top three fantasy stories. In addition to being paid and published, those winners will also receive some killer escape artist swag. I can't speak for any of the other podcasts, but we at Podcastle are hoping to bring the contest winners to you by the end of this year. So flex your fingers, warm up the keyboards, and start writing. Because this Podcastle and all her listeners are looking forward to reading your story. See all you jokers starting April Fool's Day. I'll be honest, as excited as we all are about doing a flash fiction contest, this is something our forum moderators have been plotting, and they volunteered to do the Landstrider's share of all the legwork. Do we have kick-ass forum moderators? Why, yes. Yes, we do. So when you do sign up for the contest, make sure you pop on by the contest board and tell them thanks. So what are you waiting for? Head on over to our forum at forum.escapeartist.net where you can read through the guidelines in their entirety. Well, that's more than enough of me blabbing. But before I make my exit, I'd like to remind you that we at Podcastle rely on your donations to keep our castle surfing the sky. So if you can... Please consider visiting podcastle.org and making a donation. Every little bit helps, and it's all greatly appreciated. Thanks very much. We'll see you all next time when Elizabeth Bear comes to Podcastle. Until then, remember, lightning never strikes in the same place twice, and we'll see you all in a week. Podcastle is a production of Escape Artists Incorporated and is distributed on a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. Share it, but don't change it or sell it. Our theme music is by Shiva in Exile. You can find them at magnatune.com. You can discuss this episode of Podcastle or nearly anything else on our forums. Just visit forum.escapeartist.info. And if you like science fiction or horror, be sure to visit our sister podcasts, Escape Pod and Pseudopod. And if you enjoyed this episode, tell a friend, or post to your blog about it, or consider donating via the PayPal link on our site. Lee Iacocco said, The affections are like lightning. You cannot tell where they will strike till they have fallen. <laughs>